Act Three of King Lear and His Three Daughters by Anonymous. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Scene One, A Road Leading to Cornwall. Enter Perilous Solus. The king hath disposed himself of all. Those to advance which scarce will give him thanks. His youngest daughter he hath turned away, and no man knows what is become of her. He sojourns now in Cornwall with the eldest, who flattered him, until she did obtain that at his hands which now she doth possess. And now she sees he hath no more to give, it grieves her heart to see her father live. Oh, whom should man trust in this wicked age when children thus against their parents rage? But he, the mirror of mild patience, puts up all wrongs and never gives reply. Yet shames she not in most opprobious sort to call him fool and daughter to his face, and sets her parasites of purpose oft in scoffing wise to offer him disgrace. O oh, iron age! O oh, times! O oh, monstrous wild! When parents are contempted of the child! His pension she hath half restrained from him, and will, ere long, the other half I fear, for she thinks nothing is bestowed in vain, but that which doth her father's life maintain. Trust not alliance, but trust strangers rather, since daughters prove disloyal to the father. Well, I will counsel him the best I can. Would I were able to redress his wrong. Yet what I can, unto my utmost power, he shall be sure of to the latest hour. Exit. Act Three, Scene Two. A room in the royal palace of Cornwall. Enter Goneril and Scaliger. I prithee, Scaliger, tell me what thou thinkest. Could any woman of our dignity endure such quips and peremptory taunts as I do daily from my doting father? Doth not suffice that I him keep of alms, who is not able for to keep himself? But as if he were our better, he should think to check and snap me up at every word. I cannot make me a new-fashioned gown, and set it forth with more than common cost, but his old, doting, doltish, withered wit is sure to give a senseless check for it. I cannot make a banquet extraordinary, to grace myself and spread my name abroad, but he, old fool, is captious by and by, and saith, the cost would well suffice for twice. Judge then, I pray, what reason is't? that I should stand alone charged with his vain expense, and that my sister Regan should go free, to whom he gave as much as unto me. I prithee, Scaliger, tell me if thou know by any means to rid me of this woe. Your many favours still bestowed on me, bind me in duty to advise your grace how you may soonest remedy this ill. The large allowance which he hath from you is what makes him so forget himself. Therefore abridge it half, and you shall see that, having less, he will more thankful be. For why, abundance makes us forget the fountains whence the benefits do spring. Well, Scaliger, for thy kind advice herein, I will not be ungrateful if I live. I have restrained half his portion already, and I will presently restrain the other, that having no means to relieve himself, he may go seek elsewhere for better help. Exit. Go, viperous women, shame to all thy sex, 
the heavens no doubt will punish thee for this, and me, a villain, that do curry favour, have given the daughter counsel gainst the father. But us the world doth this experience give, that he that cannot flatter cannot live. Exit. Act Three, Scene Three, A Hall in the Royal Palace of Cornwall. Enter King of Cornwall, Lear, Perilous, and Nobles. Father, what aileth you to be so sad? Methinks you frolic not as you were wont. The nearer we do grow unto our graves, the less we do delight in worldly joys. But if a man can frame himself to mirth, it is a mean for to prolong his life. Then welcome sorrow, Lear's only friend, who doth desire his troubled days had end. Comfort yourself, father. Here comes your daughter, who much will grieve, I know, to see you sad. Enter Goneril. But more doth grieve, I fear, to see me live. My Goneril, you come in wished time to put your father from these pensive dumps. In faith, I fear that all things go not well. What, do you fear that I have angered him? Hath he complained of me unto my lord? I'll provide him with a piece of bread and cheese, for in time he'll practice nothing else. Then carry tales from one unto the other. Tis all his practice for to kindle strife, twixt you, my lord, and me, your loving wife. But I will take an order, if I can, to cease the effect where first the cause began. Sweet, be not angry in a partial cause. He ne'er complained of thee in all his life. Father, you must not weigh a woman's words. Alas, not I. Poor soul, she breeds young bones, and that is it makes her so touchy-sure. What, breeds young bones already? You will make an honest woman of me, then, belike. O vile old wretch, who ever heard the like, that seeketh thus his own child to defame? I cannot stay to hear this discord sound. Exit. For any one that loves your company, you may go pack, and seek some other place, to sow the seed of discord and disgrace. Exit. Thus say you do the best that e'er I can. Tis rested straight into another sense. This punishment my heavy sins deserve, and more than this ten thousand thousand times. Else aged Lear them could never find cruel to him, to whom he hath been kind. Why do I overlive myself to see the course of nature quite reversed in me? Oh, gentle death, if ever any white did wish thy reverence with a perfect zeal, then come, I pray thee, even with all my heart, and in my sorrows with thy fatal dart. <laughs> he weeps. Ah, do not so disconsolate yourself, nor do your aged cheeks with wasting tears. What man art thou that takest any pity upon the worthless state of old Lear? One who doth bear as great a share of grief as if it were my dearest father's case. Ah, oh, good my friend, how ill art thou advised for to consort with miserable men? Go, learn to flatter, for thou mayst in time 
get favour amongst the mighty and so climb for now i am so poor and full of want as that i ne'er can recompense thy love what's got by flattery doth not long endure and men in favour live not most secure my conscience tells me if i should forsake you i were the hatefullest excrement on the earth which well do know in course of former time how good my lord hath been to me and mine did i e'er raise thee higher than the rest of all thy ancestors which were before i ne'er did seek it but by your good grace i still enjoyed my own with quietness did i e'er give thee living to increase the due revenues which thy father left i had enough my lord and having that what should you need to give me any more oh did i ever dispossess myself and give thee half my kingdom in good will alas my lord there were no reason why you should have such a thought to give it me nay if thou talk of reason then be mute for with good reason i can thee confute if they which first by nature's sacred law do owe to me the tribute of their lives if they to whom i always have been kind and bountiful beyond comparison if they for whom i have undone myself and brought my age unto this extreme want do now reject contemn despise abhor me what reason moveth thee to sorrow for me where reason fails let tears confirm my love and speak how much your passions do me move oh good my lord condemn not all for one you have two daughters left to whom i know you shall be welcome if you please to go oh how thy words add sorrow to my soul to think of my unkindness to cordella whom causeless i did dispossess of all upon the unkind suggestions of her sisters and for her sake i think this heavy doom is fallen on me and not without desert yet unto regan was i always kind and gave to her the half of all i had it may be if i should to her repair she would be kinder and entreat me fair no doubt she would and practice ere to be long by force of arms for to redress your wrong well since thou dost advise before to go i am resolved to try the worst of woe exeunt act three scene four a room in the royal palace of cambria enter regan solar how may i bless the hour of my nativity which bodeth unto me such happy stars how may i thank kind fortune that vouchsafes to all my actions such desired events i rule the king of cambria as i please the states are all obedient to my will and look whate'er i say it shall be so not any one that dareth answer no my elder sister lives in royal state and wanteth nothing fitting her degree yet hath she such a cooling card withal as that her honey savoureth much of gall my father with her is quartermaster still and many times restrains her of her will but if he were with me and served me so i'd send him packing somewhere else to go i'd entertain him with such slender cost that he should quickly wish to change his host exit 
Act Three, Scene Five, A Room in the Royal Palace of Cornwall. Enter Cornwall, Goneril, and attendants. Ah, Goneril, what dire unhappy chance hath sequestered thy father from our presence, that no report can yet be heard of him? Some great unkindness hath been offered him, exceeding far the bounds of patience. Else all the world shall never be persuade. He would forsake us without notice made. Alas, my lord, whom doth it touch so near? Or who hath interest in this grief but I, whom sorrow had brought to her longest home? But that I know his qualities so well, I know he is but stolen upon my sister at unawares, to see her how she fares, and spend a little time with her, to note how all things go, and how she likes her choice. And, when occasion serves, he'll steal from her, and unawares return to us again. Therefore, my lord, be frolic, and resolve to see my father here again ere long. I hope so, too, but yet to be more sure, I'll send a post immediately to know whether he be arrived there or no. Exit. But I will intercept the messenger, and temper him before he doth depart, with sweet persuasions and with sound rewards, that his report shall ratify my speech, and make my lord cease further to inquire. If he be not gone to my sister's court, as sure my mind presageth that he is, he haply may, by travelling unknown ways, fall sick, and as a common passenger be dead and buried. Would God it were so well, for then there were no more to do but this. He went away, and none knows where he is. But say he be in Cambria with the king, and there exclaim against me as he will. I know he is as welcome to my sister as water is into a broken ship. Well, after him I'll send such thunderclaps of slander, scandal, and invented tales that all the blame shall be removed from me and unperceived rebound upon himself. Thus with one nail another I'll expel, and make the world judge that I used him well. Enter the messenger that should go to Cambria with a letter in his hand. My honest friend, whither away so fast? To Cambria, madam, with letters from the king. To whom? Unto your father, if he be there. Let me see them. She opens them. Madam, I hope your grace will stand between me and my neck verse, if I be called in question for opening the king's letters. <laughs> Twas I that opened them, it was not thou. Ay, but you need not care, and so must I, a handsome man, be quickly trussed up, and when a man's hanged, all the world cannot save him. He that hangs thee were better hang his father, or that but hurts thee in the least degree. I tell thee, we make great account of thee. I am o'erjoyed, I surfeit of sweet words. <laughs> kind queen, had I a hundred lives, I would spend ninety-nine of them for you, for that word. Aye, <laughs> but thou wouldst keep one life still, and that's as many as thou art like to have. That one life is not too dear for my good queen. 
this sword this buckler this head this heart these hands arms legs tripes bowels and all the members else whatsoever are at your dispose use me trust me command me if i fail in anything tie me to a dung-cart and make a scavenger's horse of me and whip me so long as i have any skin on my back in token of further employment take that flings him a purse a strong bond a firm obligation good in law good in law if i keep not the condition let my neck be the forfeiture of my negligence i like thee well thou hast a good tongue and as bad a tongue if it be set on it as any oyster-wife at billingsgate hath why i have made many of my neighbours forsake their houses with railing upon them and go dwell elsewhere and so by my means houses have been good cheap in our parish my tongue being well wetted with colour is more sharp than a razor of palermo oh thou art a fit man for my purpose commend me not sweet queen before you try me as my deserts are so do think of me well said then this is thy trial instead of carrying the king's letters to my father carry thou these letters to my sister which contain matter quite contrary to the other there shall she be given to understand that my father hath detracted her given out slanderous speeches against her and that he hath most intolerably abused me said my lord and me at variance and made mutinies amongst the commons these things although it be not so yet thou must affirm them to be true with oaths and protestations as will serve to drive my sister out of love with him and cause my will accomplished to be this do thou winst my favour for ever and makest a high way of preferment to thee and all thy friends it sufficeth conceit it is already done i will so tongue-whip him that i will leave him as bare of credit as a poulter leaves a coney when she pulls off his skin yet there is a further matter i thirst to hear it if my sister thinketh convenient as my letters importeth to make him away hast thou the heart to effect it few words are best in so small a matter these are but trifles by this book i will kisses the paper about it presently i long till it be done i fly i fly exeunt end of act three